1: As they lift the lid and cautiously
3: peer inside
1: the box of oddities.
3: Kat is probably the biggest William Shatner fan that ever walked the earth. In fact, what was your your project that you were working on a year or so ago? The Summer of Shatner? The Summer of Shatner. Explain that exactly.
2: My goal was over the course of three months to watch as much Shatner as I could, starting from his very first works. And, um...
3: The complete Shatner catalog. Yeah,
2: you know, because he started acting so long ago, Mm -hmm. it was really hard to find some of those older things, so I didn't get as far into it as I wanted to, because it was like, it took me a week to find that weird thing that he was in where he was a pirate.
3: What year was that from? That must have been from... I don't remember. Yeah, I remember him on the Twilight Zone episodes. There's something on the wing, some... Thing...
2: I wouldn't say I'm one of the biggest Shatner fans in the world. Well, he
3: is one of the world's greatest thespians.
2: Uh, No, and I would agree. I would say that he is one of my favorite actors, but I wouldn't assume that my love for him is greater than anyone else's love for him because everyone should have the same amount of esteem and overflowing cuppeth type love for him (laughs) because he's a magical unicorn creature.
3: Then you might enjoy hearing this.
1: Cat and Jethro box of oddities that is really mysterious the show has, has examined weird things thing, done weird things
2: <laughs>
3: the chat knows who we are the chat knows who we are i love him so much oh can we i want to play it again
1: cat okay. and jethro box of oddities that is really mysterious
3: yeah <laughs> What a great way to end the week.
2: Oh, man. And this was a, a good week to end on a nice note. <laughs> yes. Because, whoa. Yeah. What?
3: Whoa. whoa, indeed. Yeah. In fact, I'm just going to have this ready to go. Whenever I'm feeling sad.
1: Cat and Jethro, <laughs> box of oddities. Yeah. That is really mysterious.
2: Yeah. Oh, oh
3: geez. Uh, it's uh, uh,
2: William Shatner
3: saying our name.
1: Oh, man.
2: Oh,
3: shit. Ooh, I mean, oh, Shatner. I
2: am... Uh, like my adrenaline is just like fucking through the roof. Right? <laughs> I love him so much. Oh, uh, his stuff with Ben Folds, like his spoken word music, his album Has Been is so like it was part yeah. of it's It's part of who I am, like yeah, as a yeah. human person. Yeah, is that album?
3: His um, new show is debuting too.
2: It's yeah, what really is it? What's interesting. It the Unexplained. Yeah. Oh.
3: Oh, okay. Oh, calm down. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. All
3: right, I'm going to segue into my story now. <clears throat> okay. I found this uh story on the Vintage News website. Here we go. Are are you focused? You're not focused at all. Oh my god, she's blushing. She <laughs> she's beet red.
2: <laughs> Please just say words.
3: Okay. Uh, Well, okay. The mummy was found in 1937 near the junction of the Rio Grande and the Pecos River in Texas.
2: The mummy starring Brendan Fraser? No, a mummy. Oh.
3: Uh, Guy Skiles found the mummy in a cave on his property, Mile Canyon.
2: Um, That name sounds like it's said the wrong way.
3: Guy Skiles?
2: Sky Giles?
3: Sky Giles. No, it's Guy Skiles. All right. Uh, the body, when he found it, was wrapped in a cloak of fur, also deerskin and tied with a rope made from animal hair.
2: Oh, did this, did this person do like a Tatooine kind of deal? And you know, on on the, because it's really, like, it's cat like,
1: and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really <laughs> mysterious. All right.
2: When Luke Skywalker cut open the Tauntaun uh-huh. because of the cold temperatures on Hoth, so. Like you said, the mummy was inside animal fur. So did he pull out some sort of weird hoff?
3: No, he just had a coat on. Oh. (laughs) He was found with with extensive (laughs) grave goods, including woven mats made from fibers of plants native to the Southwest and many beautiful stone beads. The Skiles property is filled with caves And canyons full of all kinds of archaeological artifacts. Cool. Right on his own property, on his ranch. Now, Skiles has collected these over the years, or did, and added it to his own uh, private museum, including this mummy.
2: That's really neat.
3: Now, the only people that have ever excavated on his land, other than Skiles and his son, Jack, are just a, a very small group of scientists that he has allowed in. The mummy's about 1,400 years old. It was naturally mummified in the hot, dry desert sand. It still has hair and and tissue left on the body. But because the mummy was just put in this guy's private museum, and really there weren't a lot of scientists or archaeologists or anthropologists allowed to see it, they really didn't know much about it. Even though it was very well preserved, there were no obvious signs of the cause of death, no fractures, no broken bones, no physical signs that would have explained his demise. The only thing they did notice was that he had a a, a curvature in his spine. Again, the reason they really didn't know much about it is because it hadn't been properly studied. Sure. Skiles didn't have the equipment or the forensic knowledge in order to conduct this type of an investigation. So, to get answers, eventually the skeleton was moved between several institutions with very little insight gained. They did not learn much about this until 2003, when a guy named Carl Reinhardt, who was a professor in the School of Natural Resources at the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, decided to use a newer approach, scanning electron microscopy.
2: Microskippy?
3: Microskippy. <laughs>
2: That's
3: That word never sounds right. No, it's a no hard. matter how I say it, microscopy, <laughs> microscopy. My.
2: You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, no, absolutely.
3: No, I mentioned that the body had been wrapped in a deer hide and was tightly tied around the waist. After examining this, it was determined that uh, the reason that that was done, it was not just clothing or style, it was done because the mummy had an extremely distended abdomen. Oh, no. And so, apparently, that helped alleviate some of the stress. They determined that the mummy died between the ages of 35 and 45 years of age, and that his intestines were so full that they pressed against and damaged his spinal column.
2: Oh my gosh, why wasn't he pooping?
3: This is what they needed to find out.
2: Barbiturates?
3: And peanut butter and banana sandwiches. (laughs) With all this information, he was able to determine that the man died because of an intestinal blockage, constipation in his colon, which- uh, Oh
2: my gosh, what a terrible way to die. uh,
3: Yes, there were 2.6 pounds of feces still (gasps) in his colon. Oh my God. Mummified uh, feces, feces of course. There was also a large amount of undigested material in his intestines. Now, because of this, the man was able to, was unable to process food through his body and he suffered and ultimately died from malnutrition.
2: Right. Okay. That makes sense.
3: That has got to be an incredibly painful way to go or to not go, whichever you prefer. The study also <clears throat> found that the man subsisted pretty much on grasshoppers in the few months before his death. You'd
2: think that grasshoppers would be really fibrous. You would think, wouldn't
3: you? According to ScienceDirect.com, the undigested grasshoppers had had their legs removed and only the meaty parts had been eaten. The man would have had so much pressure in his abdomen because of the constipation, he probably wouldn't have been able to uh, care for himself. And scientists believe this may have been one of the very first examples of palliative care. The condition is called megacolon.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> for Go obvious ahead. reasons. Yeah.
3: Um, according to Reinhard, in addition to being high in protein, the grasshoppers, um, it was pretty high in moisture so it would have been easier for him to eat in the earlier stages of his quote megacolon experience
2: I'm sorry is that the actual name for this disorder or this this situation is megacolon
3: M E G A C O L O N
2: Megacolon
3: or megacolon if you prefer <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's probably how I would pronounce it <laughs> Sorry, that was That's funny. All
3: right. Magoculin is uh, caused <laughs> by a parasitic infection. It's spread. It's spread by blood-sucking bugs. Oh. Yeah. According to the uh, CDC, the bugs, which usually bite when the victim is sleeping, leave feces near the wound that is caused by the bite, and they enter the hosts and invade the surrounding cells. They are then released into the bloodstream and eventually invade nerve cells. The host is repeatedly bitten. It can cause severe allergic reactions, including Mm -hmm. anaphylactic shock. If one scratches the bite and then touches a mucous membrane, the infection can be transmitted that way as well, according again to the Vintage News. Reinhardt's research paper, which you can find at silo.br, that's S C I E L O dot br tells us that the infection causes loss of nervous activity in the large intestine, and the blockage can cause leakage from the enlarged colon, resulting in death. So, oh,
2: so it's not your 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 intestines, you know, in order to move shit through. I mean, literally. Yeah. Um. They kind of like snake the muscles they're like move on through so those those muscles aren't retracting and contracting and all that business Mm -hmm. to move the business through which is why the it happens that's right okay
3: yep also found in the mummy's tummy um what was left of a fish a mouse a gopher a bat with about 250 grasshoppers and some plant material.
2: Wow, that's a varied diet.
3: Yeah, and now if any of these mammals that he ate were not fully cooked, that also could lend itself to infection. Sure. In addition.
2: Yeah, uncooked meat is not a good thing.
3: No. Now, this condition is more commonly found in Africa, Asia, and Australia. It's extremely rare and is found mostly in the American Southwest and Northern Mexico in this part of the world. It can be found in species such as the grasshopper mouse, the nine-banded armadillo, the Southern Plains wood rat, the Mexican spiny pocket mouse, which sounds like a euphemism.
2: It does. It sounds like something you'd buy from Athena's.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And the opossum.
2: Poor babies.
3: So what happened was this guy apparently was bitten by this certain type of insect Mm-hmm. Uh, his system was invaded with these parasites. Part of what the uh, side effect from that was that it more or less paralyzed his intestines. He was unable to continue to move uh, food along. Uh, It just kind of backed up and no nutrients were processed. So he was full of shit, undigested food, and yet still ultimately died from malnutrition. Right. That's... That's a remarkably horrible way to go. Oh,
2: it sure is. I
3: know. One time after I had barbecue, I had these searing abdominal cramps.
2: Mm-hmm. This is a good story. <laughs> yeah,
3: and I thought I was going to die like this guy did. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I didn't, I hadn't heard of this guy. Sure. I figured I'm probably going to die like a mummy did 1,400 years ago. Yeah. That's.
2: Might as well cut open a tauntaun and get inside. because- yeah.
3: So I guess what we've learned today is uh, probably don't eat grasshoppers.
2: No, roughage is important. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I always, I'm always encouraging you. I'm like, do you want some fiber? Um, In fact, Uh, It has become kind of a thing Mm -hmm. amongst my friends that I'm always asking them if they want some fiber.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you bring your fiber bottle with you everywhere you go. I do, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't know if you know this or not, but I have IBS. And so (laughs) if it weren't for these little tiny baby fiber pills that I take, my life would be very different. uh, Because it used to be very different and horrible and it involved terrible things that I can't speak of.
3: I think we should speak of it. Um, it's terrible right now. Like
2: you? I, I knew about the local public restrooms and which were like grade A, <laughs> and which were to be avoided. I see.
3: Yeah, it's really not a bad idea. Maybe you could write like a handbook that would rate all the public restrooms, like a consumer's report. Like J.D. Powers and Associates.
2: Yeah, like a Zagat guide. What's a
3: Zagat guide?
2: It's like a restaurant guide. It's where you go and you find out where you're going to...
3: Yeah, like TripAdvisor. Only like shitter advisor.
2: Like that, yeah.
3: I think you're on to something.
2: Wait, this was your idea.
3: I think I'm on something. And now, that thing in the middle. Long before the invention of refrigerators, Russians had a unique way to keep their dairy products fresh. They used to drop live frogs in their milk and you know what's even weirder it works secretions in the amphibian skin contain antimicrobial compounds called peptides peptides are very effective in killing off salmonella mm, frog milk if you're
1: asked to subscribe to a podcast called the container of strange facts, or a receptacle of weird stories. Don't do it. Our attorneys are already suing those bastards. This is The Box of Oddities.
0: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances – shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money.
1: Support for The Box of Oddities is provided in part by listeners like you on Patreon. You can support us too. Go to patreon.com slash boxofoddities. Thank you. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth.
3: Got an email from John at uh, curator at oddities.com in reference to the episode I did about the Great London Beer Flood. He said, here's another story about beer in the St. Giles Rookery area of central London. Back in the day, prisoners condemned to execution by the old Bailey Court were transported to Tyburn, the place of execution, at what is now Marble Arch at the western end of Oxford Street, a distance of about two miles. Part of the first half of the route ran along St. Giles High Street, and it was permitted for prisoners to take a drink in a pub along the way. A prisoner with either friends or money could take this opportunity to arrange for the guards to be overwhelmed in the pub or in the street and for them to be released. If he had no friends or money to pay, to pay the St. Giles ruffians to help him out, he was put back, quote, on the wagon oh. <laughs> after he had his last drink. This is given as one possible origin for the phrase, it's uncertain, but it's a good story properly told.
2: Wow. Thanks,
3: John. That's really interesting.
2: Sure is. Back
3: on the wagon. I
2: wonder. I wonder. Mm. We started watching a really interesting TV show the other day called The History of Swearing. Oh, yeah. On Netflix, I think. And that's been fun.
3: Yeah. Nicolas Cage hosts it. Sort of. He seems angry to be doing it.
2: He seems angry to be doing a lot of things these days. That's
3: true. He's still paying off stuff. I don't blame him. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, what you got for me?
2: Well, Nikki Han Schwartz, owner of a holistic spa in California, told the Los Angeles Times years ago that vaginal steam baths had helped her get pregnant at the age of 45. Um, She and her husband, who's an orthopedic surgeon, um, own a spa, and they offer the treatment. She said that after only five steams, after trying to get pregnant for three years, they finally conceived. Uh, She said it was an ancient Korean practice that she'd learned about from visiting spas in Koreatown.
3: Vaginal steaming?
2: Vaginal steaming.
3: Sounds more like a medical condition than some sort of a treatment.
2: Like there's steam coming from my vaginal region?
3: Well, not yours necessarily, well, but... Well, no, that's not... A vaginal region, that's, yes, sure.
2: that's what I was... Yeah, yeah okay, no. yeah.
1: Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious.
2: <laughs> that's what I
3: thought, Shat. <laughs> We're pals now. I call them Shaq. Yeah, all the time.
2: Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow preached about the benefits of vaginal steaming in her lifestyle Hmm. magazine, Goop. Uh Um, She, in reviewing uh, the the spa, described one of several of their treatments, the the V-steam, and uh, said that it was a combination of infrared and mugwort steam that cleanses your uterus. Hmm. Well, of course, Western spas have long been influenced by treatments from around the world, high Swedish massage. Uh, but the origins of this practice and its benefits are highly debated. So so what is it? Uh, it's also called the Yoni steaming, the V steam, mm-hmm. the chai yolk, and then just vag steaming. Basically, the situation is this a person sits on a small sauna box it kind of looks like an outhouse box okay um but the reverse thing is happening you're not into the box the box is into you okay um, right. so under inside the box is a burner and there's usually a pot on the burner with water infused with whichever herbs uh, and etc uh, you want all up in there and then the steam goes
3: all up in there.
2: According to one website, yoni steaming has a vast history in most every culture from Africa to Asia to the Caribbean. Um, in uh, other websites, it said that it's an ancient Korean treatment for reproductive organ ailments. Uh, other sources say it it stems from Mayan cultures, and their word is something like balos or, or something like that. It means the lowlands, which I think is a weird way to say <laughs> the nethers. Um,
3: or hotboxing. And then
2: <laughs> other sources uh, say that it's, uh, it origines Originated in ancient Greece. Uh, I have a friend whose child, without any provocation from her, started referring to her lady parts (laughs) as her furnace. How, how old is this kid? Um, I think he's like, well, I, he's always, you know, he's done it for a long time. So I don't know when he started doing it. All
3: right. Okay.
1: I don't
2: want to say how old he is now because it's weird that he would be referring to her furnace I at this age. Yeah, right. But, but when, when he, he was, was younger. younger he okay. referred to, yeah. Her furnace. Her furnace, which I think is uh, really <laughs> insightful for a child.
3: That kid has a brilliant future ahead of him. <laughs>
2: Anyway, uh, finding references to this practice in history, though, is difficult. Uh, Most reference back to Nikki Han Schwartz and her story and her spa. Either way, it's said to do everything from relieve stress to fighting infections, clearing up hemorrhoids, regulate your menstrual cycles, aid in uh, fertility... And according to one site touting the V-steam, yoni steaming can be thought of as ridding the womb of harmful energies that enter or can get stuck in there. Well, according to a study on vaginal practices by the World Health Organization, which was published in 2011, vaginal steaming or smoking is something that is done. Yeah, Uh, that is a whole different mental I, image. I just
3: have this mental image yeah. of a vagina with a cigar.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: Hey, how's it going there, boys? Rawr, 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 rawr. like that. Careful, you're getting your ashes everywhere. <laughs>
2: <sighs> Over 4,000 women in uh, Mozambique, South Africa, Indonesia, and Thailand were surveyed. In Thailand, 67 67- people percent of women reported having performed vaginal steaming or smoking which they associated with mainly wellness and feminine identity especially after having given birth. In Mozambique, only 10% of women practice the steaming or smoking and that was mostly intended to enhance they said male sexual pleasure which is caused by vaginal tightening and dryness. What? Yeah. In the two African locations... Uh, it was said that they practiced it to enhance male sexual pleasure, and in the Asian locations where women said that this did take place, uh, 0% of them gave that answer as a reason for vaginal steaming.
3: It's interesting that this is a practice that's done all over the world, and, yeah. it's, and it's kind of an ancient
2: practice? Not really, though. I mean, it's- Well, the ancient they're... Mayans
3: used it, you said, right? No,
2: I said this website said that ancient Mayans used it, okay, but good but... luck finding references to ancient Mayans using it.
3: There's no pectaglyph or or anything of uh, squatting, mine. Yeah.
2: As I said, women
3: m- with a hot box.
2: Most of the information that you'll find will go back to that original woman who said that she All got right. pregnant after five steams. By the way, she offers that service at her spa. Okay. According to Skeptoid.com, researchers associated sub-Saharan vaginal steam baths with cleansing, but also with a more dangerous practice of what's called dry sex. It's removing lubrication from the vagina using household cleaners or other devices. Oh, good Lord. The thought is that it tightens the vagina after childbirth or before or after sexual intercourse. It's based on the totally erroneous belief that sexual intercourse causes the vagina to loosen Hmm. and they need to tighten the vagina after it has been loosened. But that's not a thing.
3: That sounds like some guy in the Victorian age made it up.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's amazing how many people still think like if you have sex a bunch, you'll get a loose vagina. That's not a real thing. Hmm. It's meant to whoop and then whoop, whoop, whoop. That's what it does all the time. That's why.
3: That's why I can hold a cigar.
2: Yes, exactly. Though some of those study participants reported using vaginal steam baths uh, by converting household detergents Mm. or tightening products into vapor and then sitting over that steam, uh, while other people reported having used herbs in that same way rather than like, let's say, bleach. Yeah. Which should be nowhere near your vagina ever. Or Lysol. No, that's right. And it will say so on the can. I think it still does. I remember for a period of time it said do not use near
3: yeah, your, your mucous
2: membranes. <laughs> yeah. Uh of course, the people who practice this dry sex or the uh, the vaginal tightening with household detergents uh, experience irritation, pain, itching, bleeding, sores, incredibly painful intercourse. This Ugh. is not something that you do. Obviously, it's a terrible practice. It's based on false information. It's dangerous. Uh, but if you're using just herbs, right, like that should be okay. Mm. Well, some concern comes from the overall idea that your vagina or uterus needs to be cleaned and that's concerning
3: did you say vagina
2: vagina you're your you're a
3: <laughs> you just slip back into your main accent there listen you're a vagina
2: your vagina don't need to be cleaned it's a self-cleaning oven babe it's gonna take care of that self uh-huh yeah i did not say vagina
3: self-cleaning furnace you mean <laughs>
2: So your your vagina is like an eyeball, you know, it's, you don't put soap in there. It's a mucus membrane. That gave me
3: another you really don't... strange mental image. <laughs> Just kind of looking around, you know. Hey, what's up? Hey. Got any matches?
2: Dr. Suzanne Lenz, an obstetrician and gynecologist at Women's Care of Beverly Hills, said that the idea of vaginal steaming in the pelvic area is, quote, not insane, and it can increase circulation to the region, which could trigger an immune response, which is a pretty vague endorsement <laughs> yeah. for, you know, uh, putting fire near your vag. <laughs> In a 2017 survey by Vandenberg and Braun, uh, 90 online items related to vaginal steaming, including from newspapers and magazines and blogs and so on and so forth, uh, were cited. And uh, not a lot said anything much.
3: (laughs) Just all vague vag stuff.
2: Vague vag. Super vague vag stuff.
3: Very vague vag.
2: Variable vague vag variants. Now, the title of that survey uh, is, this is sorcery for your vagina. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it gives you an idea of where doctors (laughs) feel about this.
3: Sorcery for the vagina.
2: According to OBGYN, Dr. Jen Guntner, uh, her website says, "...it's clear as mud on how steaming herbs are supposed to gain access to your uterus through your tightly closed cervix at the end of your vagina." Uh, I think a lot of this has uh, a lot to do with a small understanding of exactly how mm. the body works, mm-hmm. and yeah, so with zero evidence to show any benefits at all of putting a hot pot of boiling water under your uh, open vajaj um. I don't remember where I was going with that sentence. Don't do this.
3: It's bad. It's <laughs> what you're trying to say. There's no
2: evidence that show any benefits. In fact, most often it's the opposite. Adding steam or heat to the vagina may provide a, an environment for bacteria to grow. that can cause yeast infections or other vaginal infections. Vaginal skin is delicate. It's, it's, it's baby skin. You don't... Put fire water on it.
3: <laughs> it's like a, a neti pot for the nethers. Yeah,
2: yeah. A nethers pot. Yeah, except it's scalding hot water. No. I mean, you're not supposed to put the water directly on you, but st- like burns can happen. Um, and especially if you're like, okay, so you know how they say don't, take a, don't wash your face in the shower because you shower in water hotter than your face should be washed with?
3: I've never heard that. Oh
2: yeah, they they say not, not to do that. No. Um because your your the rest of your body doesn't have the same kind of sensitive skin that your face has. Okay. Um think about how sensitive your face skin is compared to the inside of your body yeah. through your V hole.
3: Right. Oh, right. by
2: the way, there's also uh, butthole steams that you can do, but that's different because it's not directly related to this long standing erroneous concern that vaginas are dirty somehow.
3: But butthole steaming, it's okay?
2: I mean, I would say keep steam away from all your sensitive areas, okay. basically. Okay. Now, I will stress this. I am not a doctor, and I'm not telling mm-hmm. you what to do with your body. I'm just giving you this information that I found from various websites that say it's no good. That's all. Anyway, <laughs> uh, also, it's unknown how vaginal steam could impact an individual or uh, it, an individual's growing fetus if there were Ooh, yeah, to be, right. uh, you know, the, uh, one, of those, one of those things in there.
3: If you've got a baby up there, yeah, you don't want to be hotboxing,
2: right? Yeah. Hey,
3: hey, can you turn the furnace down? It's getting a little steamy in here. So, cut uh, it out, you knucklehead!
2: The effectiveness the effectiveness of anything that claims to be a detox should always be questioned. That's mm, not, mm, you know, mm. and at the most basic level, steam is hot. Yes. And that's
3: the nature of steam. Yeah.
2: So um, keep that in mind when you're debating on whether or not to get a vaginal steam. And that's Vaginal Steams by Katrina Walls.
3: Well, at least they don't have like microderm abrasion.
2: Stop it. You know, don't even say, uh, don't even say that. Remember Ugh. when we
3: got microderm abrasions yes. at that spa that time? Yeah. And our faces felt like uh, somebody had lit it on fire and beat it out with a track shoe. Yeah. 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 I imagine that would feel even worse up in your woo-woo.
2: Yeah. I mean, sometimes the seam on my pants, like, ruins my day. Yeah.
3: So, uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure.
3: Yeah. I had a little emblem on my polo shirt irritated my nipple okay. really, really bad. So I can identify.
2: Yeah. No, thank you for sharing your is, personal story. The
3: struggle is real.
2: <laughs> I mean, you're so brave. Yeah. yeah thank so-
3: you. I know. <laughs> I uh, really had to look deep within myself to find the self-resolve to, to carry on. Yeah. But I did. Somehow, I did. Amazing. I'm pretty proud of myself.
2: You're a hero.
3: Well, I wouldn't say that, but I'm glad you did. I'm a nipple hero. Housel, we uh <laughs> we really appreciate you guys. Hanging out with us. Thanks for the messages that oh. uh, that we get, the emails and the social media messages, and and uh, we aren't able to respond to all of them. Uh, we do the best that we can. But please know that even if you don't hear from us, hear back from us, we read every single one of them, and it means so much to us. It
2: really does. It does. And uh, if you are looking to speak with us, uh, we are excited about our next Sunday phone calls with the Freak Fan. That's coming right up on the tenth.
3: Well, that would have been yesterday. Oh, so this yeah, is or,
2: it? This are is... we really doing this that far in advance? I
3: know it's crazy.
2: Look. I'm so proud of us.
3: So you missed it, but we'll do it again next month. Um, And to get our phone number, You must uh, become a member of the Inner Circle of Freaks, part of the Order of Freaks on Patreon.
2: Yeah, uh, all the details are right there. You can also find details on our website, theboxofoddities.com.
3: See you next time.
2: Until then, keep flying that freak flag.
3: Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak.
1: And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. The Box of On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast. On Twitter at Box of Oddities. And Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.